Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Hello, welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, and I'm your host, Jerry Alexander, and today I'm with Mark Homer. Thanks so much, Mark. And in your studios as well. Indeed. Indeed. I have spent um, a few hours getting down here from Scotland. <laughs> but it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And I really have so much to ask you. But one of the things I want to dive straight into is the current economic situation. So maybe I could just ask you a couple of questions on your thoughts about where things are going where we're at right now, and I guess from an investor's point of view, what people should be doing. Yeah, okay, so... Um, That's a lot of questions yeah. in one. Okay, so, uh, you know, we, we should probably have been in recession by now, yeah. um, but obviously that's not happened. It's just another example of how hard it is to predict this stuff. Uh, I don't think the Bank of England know what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the short term with any certainty. Um, so how any of the rest of us are supposed to know, I, yeah. I've no idea because obviously they've got reams of data and surveys and all sorts that goes on. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 big, the big shift is obviously interest rates. So inflation went sky high um, and it's coming back. Um, it's probably by the spring. I imagine it will be. It's not going to be back to two percent, but it will be down to a level where we're probably not going to be talking yeah, about it too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the way in which they've got it down is by putting interest rates up. So base rate, as we know, has gone from say half a percent to five point two five percent, which is a massive increase. It's it's more than a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, so. You know, I had a message from an investor just this week. He's a pal. He's, he's got plenty of properties locally, and and, um, and he just said to me, "Mate, my my mortgage payments have just tripled because um, he's on interest only." Um, and he's just you know one of uh, stacks of people across the country um, who are experiencing something similar, and and most of them are actually homeowners. Yeah. Um, but most of those homeowners are still on fixed rates, or should I say about half of them are still on fixed rates. About 110,000 a month are coming off their fixed rates. So they're feeling that affordability sort of payment shock, but there's still about half to go because most people sign up for a two, three, five year fixed rate and interest rates haven't been that high for more than, I don't know, a couple of years. I can't remember exactly when they started going up. We were one of the first, by the way. Bank of England did start raising even before the the US Fed, but they probably didn't go um, hard enough, early enough, uh, which is one of the reasons uh, our our inflation hasn't come back. Uh, Our inflation rate hasn't come back as quickly. So some of the pain's already been felt, but plenty of it hasn't. And of course, somebody might come off their fixed rate this month but then it might take another three, six, nine months for them to actually feel like, actually, I haven't got enough money to go on holiday or yeah. I haven't got enough money to buy that car, which is, of course, what then stifles economic growth uh, and, in the end, put, can put the, company, uh, the country into recession. So uh, I think there's more to come. A lot of those people are still um, on fixed rates. 
car finance is another one. Um, you know, we were financing car. We've got a, a car that's financed there at I think about four percent, something like that. Uh, that was on a fixed rate. I think it was three or four years. Uh, if you go and finance that car today, it's eleven or twelve percent, um, which is um, quite different. Um, you know, that's that's triple the rate. It's, it's taking it, things. It takes time for all this to work through. It takes right? time. So, if, in terms of the housing market, yeah, those that are considering moving are realizing hold on a minute i can't yeah. actually afford to do this yeah. so there's still a restriction i guess moving forward on probably coming to the market unless people are in a situation where they can't afford it anymore i think so um the transmission mechanism between um the monetary policy committee at the bank of england when they increase interest rates that used to transmit yep. into the economy much quicker in the in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, you know, when interest rates went nuts, um, you know, and I don't know, base rate went to over 15% very quickly, it transmitted into people's affordability much quicker because so um, so many, so, so few of them in comparison to now were yeah. on fixed rate mortgages. So it's taking more time than it did last time. What, yeah. What do you think it's going to do to GDP? Uh, well, GDP is probably just just above yeah. zero it's just just sort of bumbling along I, I don't know i suppose my my best guess is it, it it just bumbles along where it is because no one really knows do they you know if you talk to most people i don't know a year 18 months ago including myself you know you could see what happened to inflation you could see what was going to happen to base i, I went and fixed a load of stuff um we did two big fixes um, for more than 10 years, which I'm, or 10, and one was 12 years, which I'm so pleased about. Um, it was bloody obvious what was about to happen. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I was sure that, you know, demand would fall off a cliff and, and GDP w would come down and therefore we'd be in recession, but we're not. We're not. Um, we? And like you say, there's too much money sloshing around. I, they printed a hell of a lot of money. Um, you know, the were furlough went on and on and on, um, you know, and, and, and rates stayed very low for a long time. So and a lot of the money they spent this time went into people's pockets, into the real economy rather than to the banks. So is it, is it fair to say, actually, that during this period, there's a good chance that the, that whole thing about the haves and have nots is yeah. going to be much more acute? Because there are those when we went into the last recession, right? Yeah. there was no money. That was the problem. There was just no money around. Whereas this time round, or maybe we're in a recession, we don't know, or whatever, yeah. but this economic situation right now, there are those with quite a bit of money because yeah. of what we just talked about, but there are also those that are going to be in pain because they didn't. Yeah. And it just seems that there will be a bit of a widening of that gap. I don't know. Um, I, I'm always a bit cautious about the newspapers, the media, especially politicians love to say that every time there's a recession, all oh, the rich will get richer, the poor will get poorer. Yeah. And it's it's something that lots of people love to hear and would love to see the evidence to support that. You know, <laughs> um, It's a popular sort of thing to say, but I'm not... Uh, no, I probably haven't thought about it enough, but um, no, I, I can't see necessarily yeah. that either way would... It's, it's yeah. funny though, isn't it? Because the, the circumstances... We look at these things and say, well, history's repeating itself. Yeah. The circumstances are always different each yeah. time, aren't they? But maybe the results are the same, I guess. Maybe. Um, oh, you know, you could say this time the government piled a load of money into furlough. They were, you know, sort of 
the workers, you know, and, yeah. and, and people yeah. sort of on salaries. Um, they they gave lots of self-employed people who were earning less than 50 grand a big lump sum yeah. or, or lots of money through the pandemic. Um, you know, they gave um, lo- lo- loads of other sort of, you know, payments to, you know, say smaller businesses. Um, you know, if you think, you know, if I just think from my point of view, personally, I got nothing. You know, I didn't get any... Um, it wasn't supported in terms of my, I don't know, self-employment. You didn't go uh, on furlough, Mark. <laughs> couldn't go on furlough. Um, didn't didn't get any payments in, yeah. you know, in terms of um, self-employment. I can't remember what the term was, but you know, if you're self-employed, you got a lump. Um, yes, we were able to borrow money that needed paying back. Um, so I don't know that that sort of goes against that argument, doesn't it? Um, I, if, if if you know if there's some evidence presented, that that, that would be great. But um, I just think politicians love to say that sure. because the masses love to hear that. Yeah. And um, I'm not I'm not sure it's necessarily yeah. the case. That's yeah. Well, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it all plays out. Yeah. What do you think? Just in the last part here, then, in, in terms of investors looking forward, yeah. What should they be doing right now? Well, um, prices have fallen. You know, residential's probably fallen in this area, maybe about fifteen yeah. percent. Um, so, if you went across the country, I imagine a lot of areas would be similar. I know the newspapers are saying, "Oh, it's only five or whatever," but if you want to get a deal done, that, that's how much cheaper they are now. Um, a lot of the sort of indices are lagged. You know, so uh, you know, nationwide Halifax definitely lagged. Um, you know, and, and if you even ONS and Lamb Registry, they're, they're lagged as well. So I think that will catch up, but I suspect residential values will fall some more for the reasons we mentioned yep. earlier. Because affordability, whilst it's stretched, it probably is going to get more stretched because more people are going to come off the fixed rates. Although wages are rising, wages have probably risen seven or eight yep. percent the last year. Um, so uh, industrial. Uh, had a, a very very strong run. Uh, it, it went nuts. Um, I mean, the big the big sheds, especially the sort of Amazon sheds, the big distribution hubs. Um, you know, on long leases, they were down at three and a half, yeah. three and yeah. three seventy five. You know, in terms of yield, and to me, it was nuts. You know, it was absolutely nuts. Those sorts of um, buildings, they've probably dropped a third. They're probably 30, 40% drop capital value, so predictable, um, you know, as interest rates have increased. Um, the smaller sheds, um, you know, ha- have also dropped. Um, I don't know, less so, but I'm sure they're off 10% um, at least. Uh, they also went nuts, you know, and, and of course there has been a technological shift. Yeah. You know, lots of businesses have come off the high street, they've gone onto the industrial estates to then deliver all of this sort of internet type ordered goods, uh, last mile delivery and all that sort of stuff. So yes, there's been a big story behind that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm usually the contrarian. I usually don't like those markets because um, I just feel like they're pumped. I'm not saying there isn't more to go with that. Of course there is. You know, <clears throat> the friends I've got with industrial, they say there's massive demand and, and they're letting them. So I don't think there's an oversupply. Um, but, you know, I've much preferred retail and sort of unloved stuff. You know, we can buy, um, I'll, t- I'll talk about deals in a minute, but we bought a building recently right in the, the, the best, the square in the middle of Peterborough, so the, the best bit. It was the same per square foot as one of those industrial units yeah. on the air. I, I just, 
it's gone too far, it's nuts. Um, so they've dropped. Um, the retail probably has come off a little bit more. It came Although, off sooner. It came off sooner. Yeah, it COVID did. Had the effect. Absolutely. The that that's exactly it. So you know, obviously you had the credit crunch through COVID. It was hit really hard. I'd say from probably 08 to I don't know now that the rents are probably halved, and I don't know the capital values of they've they've over more than halved. I would say. Um, so you're right. It, it was during COVID that the retail dropped. I'm not sure that rates have pushed the value of retail down right. that much. I think the industrial's really it so smashed and it's catching up, but the retail had been on its knees already. Yeah. So it was the stuff to buy and it still is, yeah. It's yeah. interesting, there are definitely some opportunities of retail yeah. because that other market's so overheated, you know, the industrial, but it's finding the right location yeah. that allows you to do that kind yes. of activity. Yeah, in retail yeah. yeah. So just in terms of investors looking forward, yeah. back to that for a second, yeah. um, is it a time to be out looking? Is it a time to be sitting on your hands doing nothing? What's, yeah. what's your thoughts? I, I, you know, I'm out looking. Uh, I think it is a good time to be out looking. I think not all values, maybe industrial, well, who knows. Um, but, you know, definitely with residential. I think there's, you know, they're going to come down a little yeah. bit more. But I think now's the time to be out there um, viewing, building relationships with agents, um, leafleting campaigns, whatever ever it is you do. Um, because I suspect that next year will be the cheapest time to buy, you know, for, for many, many years. Um, you know, it, it, yeah, you, 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 next, I think next year, you, the deals you'll do next year will be, I imagine, the, the, the best deal. You'll look back on them in 10 years and go, that was so cheap. How um, long do you think, so much speculation on this, how yeah. long do you think that window will be open? It's just, it's so hard to say. I mean, if I just think back last time. um, Was your crystal ball, Mark? Yeah, well, (laughs) all I can do is go backwards. So uh, the past is usually the best guide to the future. So um, March 08 was was really the pit for me. So the stock market was, I don't know, it's back to 3,300. Residential values, if you wanted to get something done, that, that was probably the low point. Um, I actually bought, I, I started going into commercial and buying buildings to convert. Um, and that was also led by permitted development rights, which came a bit later. But I actually probably did my best deals in 2010. Yeah. It was probably a year out. Once, uh, you know, maybe vendors had just accepted that those were the prices and, you know, they'd, they'd had long enough in the market to see that prices had fallen. They weren't coming back. The market didn't really get going around here until 2012, 13. So about um, almost four years. Yeah, yeah. Now it was different. It, it got different ingredients. So a different. Sure. You ended up with a different cake. You know, there wasn't much money around. Banks weren't lending, and I think yes, banks maybe have backed off a little bit this time. But it's nothing like 08. They've got money in their lending. Um, so maybe it doesn't last as long. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's difficult to know. I mean, I viewed about 20 auction properties, little just little terraced houses, uh, two, three weeks ago, because I wanted to sort of get back into the market. Um, and I couldn't really, you know, the, the, they were all about 15% off way, where they would have been a couple of years ago. Um, but they weren't cheap enough. So they all sold? They all sold. Yeah. I was hoping that some so, wouldn't, and I'd you know, pick them up after auction. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, there were plenty of people viewing. 
Um, you know, and it always puts me off. Pl plenty of people turning up, plenty of people viewing. So I don't know, it may not, it, it, well, it probably won't get, it, in fact, it, it's, it's unlikely to get as bad as it did in 08 um, for those reasons. But, you know, those people that are leveraged up, it, it's, it's got to get worse, hasn't it? It's got to get worse because interest rates dropped yep. in 08, 09. This time, they've gone up a thousand percent. So uh, it probably is a game of two halves. The ones that are, are leveraged, it's going to be tougher for. Those that aren't and have got cash, then yeah. better time. I think, I think that's the... I think that's the light scenario. Interesting about 2008, <clears throat> we um, we were buying commercial during that period, and I felt the lag was about till 2013. We bought a building in yeah. 2013 that was a result of the recession. It's yeah. just it was sitting with receivers yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and eventually yeah. it played out in 2013. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure it'll be that long this time. No, but it, it probably won't. No, but like you say, it's definitely time to be looking. Yeah, I get frustrated when people say to me, "Oh, I'm going to get started next quarter." Yeah, You're like, uh, yeah, yeah. You're too late time. now. Yeah, <laughs> you should have started six months ago. Yeah, now's the time. Um, yeah, you need to be out. Uh, you know, yeah, f finding stuff. Um, I think I, I, it's not. I mean, I've mentioned car finance and I've mentioned people's mortgages. There are also a lot of businesses with a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. And quite a lot of that debt is either fixed rate or they've sort of tread water for a while, uh, maybe hoping that interest rates are going to drop. Now, in the last few months, especially the last few weeks, it's become more and more obvious that interest rates are not suddenly going to come off a cliff. Well, things change and obviously we can't sort of predict with certainty, but it's unlikely. You know, the, yep. the, the, the bond markets are all indicating that this goes on for a while and that's if, only that, sorry go on yeah Mario. if it goes on for a while um you know and and companies people homeowners people you know consumers buying cars and other things if if they're stuck with this debt and you know it's costing them a lot more they're they're a lot less likely to to upgrade hire staff all the rest of it um and this does then go on longer it's in terms slow, of yeah. yeah a slow recovery. Just, just you mentioned yeah. the bond market. Yeah. So what's been interesting is to see how much things are being influenced by conversations. Yeah. Um, because the bond market wasn't too bad. Yeah. Maybe a month or so ago. Yeah. But now it's yeah. really changed. The, and, and the, the thirty looking, year. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, right, what's yeah. what's happened now? What somebody yeah. said. Yeah. And. You know, the other part we've only spoken about is energy market and yeah. how that also gets really affected by yeah. little things. So the Australians going on strike, you know, and they do in terms of the gas production. Yeah. And Australia does 10% yeah. of the world's gas, liquefied gas. And they're threatening to go on strike, so all prices spike by 15%. Yeah. And it's just yeah. at the moment, <clears throat> everything seems to be on edge. Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, there's Ukraine, obviously it's just kicking off in um, um, Israel and... Palestine and Gaza again, um, there's a lot going on. I think, you know, gas and electric retail prices in this in this country tripled, um, you know, when Putin pressed the button. Um, and now they're probably back to something like double what they were yeah. in 2019, which whilst it's annoying, it's more manageable. Yeah. Um, I don't know when they go, but they probably never go back down to where they will. But, right but maybe they've got further to fall um, once things calm down a little bit more. 
Um, but um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of wheels moving. We've got an election next year. Um, there's loads of stuff going on, yeah. It's, it, during all the different things that have been happening, our customers still buying, they're still working, so a lot of our commercial customers are still carrying on business as usual. It's almost like they're trying to ignore yeah. all the stuff that's going on. And yeah. it's interesting just watching the indicators fire around everywhere. But ultimately, I think we've just got to keep our hat on, yeah. keep looking, right, and be ready for when those deals come out. But if you're not out there checking out the market and understanding what's going on under the skin, you're never going to actually be able to spot an opportunity you when it comes up. There's always deals out there, um, even you know in a, a really frothy market. It's just how hard you look, how many people you yeah. talk to, how many agents you've got on the go. Uh, I have to remind myself of that because you know I'll, I will get caught up in, oh, the market's really frothy, I'm going to do nothing. Or like, you know, I, I sort of forced myself to go and view those yeah. 20 properties and get back in again uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, you just get a, I get a feeling in my stomach. I just loads of people viewing, sort of, you know, all the properties sell. It really, you know, the, they were bidding and bidding and bidding and bidding. You know, there were loads of them involved. And then another one comes in and another one. I, I did it all online. but. <laughs> I just thought, man, this is, I don't like this. I like it when they all disappear, you know. <laughs> You've, this is one that's been on social media. You guys have talked about it a lot, but I really want to get behind the more commercial element of this. So perhaps the thing to do is just set some context around what this project is, and then I want to drill into a little bit more detail about it. So maybe you could just give us an idea of, this is the March Suspensers in Peterborough, yep. and just... The scale of this project for some people will be yeah. very scary. Yeah. And I want to just make sure that we, we cover the basis of that, but also set a bit of context in the background. Yeah. So maybe you could just tell us to start with yeah. about the project and the yeah. sort of what you ended up with on that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it was an 80,000 square foot department store, Marks and Spencers, right uh, in the middle of Peterborough on the high street. Uh, Marks and Spencers moved out oh, maybe 2015, something yeah. like that. Um, and it was a private equity owner, I think they were in New York, um, and you know they, they probably had it sitting there for two years trying to let it. Uh, and I kept looking at it, kept yep. sort of uh, chipping Keep away, tabs. kept tabs and kept chipping away with the agent. What I really wanted was the uppers initially, um, but you know, very difficult to, you really need to buy the whole building to make anything work. Um, so, yeah, kept chipping away, um, and then I, I think it would have been probably a, uh, probably about 2016, uh, managed to get it under offer. Uh, around the same time, the previous owner, or well, straight the agent, had got a supermarket interested. I think they, they were about to sign an agreement to lease, hence why all of a sudden they were inter yeah they were interested in doing a deal that I'd been sort of I'd been chipping away and they were like yeah this is it um, this supermarket's going to let it at two hundred eighty five grand a year it's going to be a ten year lease uh, the vendor wants four point five for the building they won't take any less that it's not going to be properly advertised um, you know you, you've got to complete in six weeks it, it was a bit like that yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but there, there was a bit of a rent-free period as well. So um, obviously they're not that off, and I, I think I got it for four point two. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what did you end up with? 
So 80,000 foot yep. total, but um, the ground floor was about 35,000 square foot. Okay. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's really like, for, forgive me, but it was yeah. like a large rectangular ground floor, and then the uppers, yeah. there was more of a, to get light into that building, there was yeah. more of a U-shape, wasn't there, on the top? Yeah, well, it, I mean, the, the, the existing building, um, so there's there's a big rectangle, yeah, a big rectangle like that, and then an extension on the side, so it's an L-shape, yeah. um, and yeah, 35,000 foot roughly on each level, two levels really, with, with a bit of a third floor. Okay, yeah, because yeah. you added. Well, they, I, yes, they, they had a little bit of a third floor, their yep. staff canteen and, and that sort of stuff. Uh, but I, I, I ripped all that out, pulled it away, yep. yeah, and all started right. again. Okay, yeah. so yeah. How, how many units did you end up with? Uh, 199. 99 yeah. units. Above, yeah. yeah. Yeah, perfect, right, okay. <clears throat> We're going to come back to the numbers yeah. and some of the negotiation around yeah. that. But just to give those that don't know you, yeah, um, a little bit more context to what led you to that project. Mm. I'm pretty sure that wasn't yeah. your first one, Mark. Right? No. So um, we touched earlier on the previous recession. Um, you know, I, I bought a an old. Um, it was originally a police station, and and, and when I bought it, it was an an accountant's office. Now that sold to its previous owners in 2006. I think it was about 1.2, 1.3 million, um, and. It, it, it was sort of, it, it sold because the previous owner, um, I've spoken to a few sort of local people, he, he had an accountancy firm there. And when he sold his business, he, he leased um, the building, I think it was, back to himself for yep. uh, I mean, sort of thing. Yeah, he, he, he did. And he, he sold it as part of the deal. And of course, yeah, maybe it wasn't that long the lease, but maybe it was five years, something like that. Then, of course, what happened was this big company came and bought his accountancy practice and they moved out. Um, so, and then the lease came to an end and you've got a big office in the middle of um, a residential area. I think it was 13,000 square foot across two floors. Um, and it just sat there on the market. And it probably, it wouldn't surprise me if it came on in 2009 or 10 and then I bought it just as they were introducing the permitted development rights, and I can't remember exactly when that was, but it might have been 2011 or 12. So it took a while to incubate, um, and I got it for 340, I think it was, yeah. and they paid 1.2 or 1.3 for it. In, um, That's what we were talking about earlier on. Yeah, it's that, that lag. Sometimes it yeah. just takes a while for these things to work, percolate through. Yeah. Commercials very frustrating because it can take. Can yeah, a but, long time, can it? But you know, because it's opaque, get... yeah, because it's <laughs> opaque, and they don't understand what's going on. They're miles away, you know. These investors, and I, I just kept—they were in Manchester. Yeah, I just kept sort of chipping away with the agent, and um, eventually he's like, "Yeah, they're gonna have to do a deal." I'll tell them, you know, and 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 they got it gone. I, I, what sort of really got me into it was I saw these permitted development rights, and I realised I hadn't got to get planning consent. Yeah, and the vendors. They didn't really, well, they didn't get that. And the, critically, the agents didn't understand that either because they weren't alive to it all. They hadn't got loads of people driving up from London sort of going, oh, I can turn this into X, Y, and Z. And then the agents pricing it on that basis. Um, so, yeah, it took a while. Um, I suppose I was, I was a little bit cautious at the time and I, I sort of made it subject to um, a couple of things. Um, 
in the end, I just sort of bought it spec. It, it was quite simple. Um, but um, it, it, that probably took six months to complete, yeah. yeah. So yeah. then that got developed into how many units? 23. I put 23 in there, um, yeah, and I sold all of them oh, that's um, okay. to, I, I, we, we used to have an investment product here mm-hmm. and um, we used to buy sort of terraced houses, refurbish them, remortgage them. Um, and I had a few clients that I still needed to, I needed to fill their portfolios and deliver on what we promised. Um, so for me, that was two birds with one stone, although I, I, can, I can fulfill all these clients and you know finish all their contracts. Because yeah. this was something we'd, we'd set up in 05, 06, pre-recession. And that, that was a product we'd had to sort of wind down because it was so difficult to keep running yeah. it. The finance had changed, the whole world had changed. Um, so I, yeah, I sold them to them uh, and I sold the freehold as well. You got yeah. it on freehold, right? Okay. Yeah. And after that, there was another one before the yeah. suspense, wasn't there? Yeah, so the next one was a pub. Yeah. Uh, and I, I converted that into 18 rooms. Um, and I've kept that. That's co living. So um, three flat, 18 rooms across three flats. Uh, I think I paid 250 for that, and the conversion was 250. And then I got it valued, I think at the time, about seven or 800. I just had it valued for 1.2, I think. Um, yeah, and that, I think that let for about 90 grand. Um, so that was nice. Then I did, um, uh, what did I do? I did a private members club um, that was uh, 47 rooms that, oh no, it wasn't, 37 rooms that we put in there. Um, and then after that, I bought, I did another pub um, that was six rooms um, and then I did some squash courts on the side of the private members club that was 18 rooms um, then I did Marks and Spencers yeah so these are most of these are HMOs then they have been a lot of them have been co-living stroke HMOs yeah and yeah. just uh, I'm gonna be yeah. honest for a slight tangent. yeah co-living yeah the first ones you did yeah how different is the offer nowadays um, has it become more sophisticated? Well, it's probably in terms of those buildings. It's 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 yeah. It's maybe a little bit better. I mean, I I I always make sure the rooms are ten meters squared and always have an ensuite. So all those buildings are all ensuited. The I've definitely upped the spec on the flooring. The uh, you know my wife does the interior design. They look really nice in these these units. Um, <clears throat> you know they've. Um, They've they've got you know sort of nice beds and um, you know all 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 the colours work you know yeah. and um, so yeah it, these are not really HMOs that you would imagine yeah. they're 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 much it nicer. Is a different, it is a different yeah. offer, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, example in our town, a, a little room now would probably be four fifty on a council estate. Most almost all of these are in the town centre. And on the best rooms now we're getting seven hundred. Yeah. Um, so it's a big, but it includes utility bills yep. and yep. you know. And interesting, just, these are all in Peterborough. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you, yes. Have you ventured much further? Yeah. So when we had our um, our sort of investment product, we, we we were buying a lot of single lets, yeah. refurbishing them, remortgaging, and putting tenants in. Um, I think we did four 
about 400, 450 of those, something like that. Um, so our buying areas were Peterborough, Wellingborough and Corby. Right. And we still um, ourselves own properties across the three. Um, and we have a lot of client properties there because we have a letting agency. agency. Yes, yeah. yeah, so we manage about 1,200 yeah. units from here. Yeah, in all those areas. Uh, we're in Wisbeach, I think, and um, Northampton a bit as well. Do you, have you, yeah. in terms of, a lot of questions about Mark. In terms of the commercial projects you've done yeah. the conversions in, have you looked in other locations or do you actually say, do you know what, I'm not getting distracted, I'm staying within yeah. my geographical boundaries? I have looked in other locations yeah. and I, I do, um, but it would take a, a lot uh, for me to do stuff. I, I do stuff you know, around this sort of yeah. area, maybe around the East Midlands, but um, yeah, I, I, yeah, of course, you know, if I could get something really cheap or there was a real, you know, then then that would push me to, to go and do it. Um, but I know the values very well here. Um, you know, I can, the, the maintenance, once we've got it up and running, because yeah. usually we keep them, you know, t so to manage them from our letting agency, if I can have it here, we, I, we've got one maintenance guy. I, I don't think he does anything else but mine and Rob's portfolio. He just yeah. rolls around all week doing that. Um, you know, the guys, I think we've got 11 staff in the letting agency, they're rolling around in the cars, letting all these units yeah. all the time. It's a lot easier if, if it's local. Uh, and of course, you know, building stuff. You know, I've had to build some of these buildings myself, not use a main contractor, run it out of the office. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to do that and have a management team here yeah. rather than all over the country. Yeah. yeah we, uh, I'm totally on board with that. Ours are all within an hour of where we live. Yeah, yeah. And if you are looking at actually managing them, you need another team if you're in yeah. Manchester or Liverpool yeah. or somewhere else. It's got to be got to be local. You need it? a local. Do you think agent. though? Do you think that you've been lucky because you're in an area where you can concentrate, or do you think actually it's just the approach that you take? No, because I I've had to change um, you know our investment thesis according to what stock we have yeah. and have developed these, you know, buying strategies and, and these, um, you know, the, the, these, yeah, these strategies according to what our local market provides. On. Yeah. So, you know, if we we're in central London, I'd have probably been doing other stuff. Um, and that, that's, that's how it's grown up. Do you sometimes look at commercial though? <clears throat> that's yeah. maybe fresh for a redevelopment and yeah. have a cookie cutter approach, yeah. i.e. I'm going to do co-living. Cool yeah. Or do you tend to look at it as in, I could, this this particular project, which yeah. is maybe a problem building, yeah. I have three or four different strategies yeah. I'm going to look at doing. Or do you yeah. feel that you have more of a cookie cutter? Approach? Yeah, I have gone down the cookie cutter um, road a lot because um, I do, I'm very much one for once I've got something working really well, why would I not just yes. keep doing it, replicate it, and just each time make it a little bit better rather than firing off into a load of other strategies which I've then got to learn. Because yep. um, it takes a while to get a good strategy in the area running. And then if I can just keep finding buildings to slot in and do it over and over, I love that. With the same yeah. team. Yeah. Right, okay, let's get back to my expenses. So it was good to go through yeah. that process of, right, we started to buy to let, First commercial yeah. was flats. It wasn't. Uh, it was apartments. flats. Yeah, yes. and then more onto this co living yes. HMO type yeah. product. Then Morris and Spencer's, yeah. which is a big leap. Yeah. So um, you've been following it for a couple of years. Yeah. 
and then actually it because there's one thing following these things and then yeah. another thing when somebody says yes yeah 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 <laughs> Um, yeah, there is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. right, I've got to find yeah. the money now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just talk me through the process of actually, it looks like the deal's happening here. Yeah. We've got to find the money. Yeah. We've got to work out a strategy of leveraging ourselves into this and reduce the liabilities, liabilities yeah. being business rates for starters. Oh, so yeah. maybe we could just talk through that because obviously then there's the whole yeah. planning thing about, yeah. right, how are we going to redevelop yeah. this? Yeah, maybe we just talk through that first part. Okay, so um, we didn't we didn't quite have enough money to purchase it, so I went and got a bridging loan um, because I thought it would be quicker, um, and I wanted to get it sort of completed in the time. The reality was a bridging loan, just as it often does, took just as long as a normal mortgage. And what I should have done was just go and get a commercial loan on it because, you know, there was rent um, about to start uh, and. You know, we would have been able yes. to Service to raise it. Was coming in, yeah. yeah, so I could have just got commercial loan. So I got a got a bridging loan as usual. You know what it looked like and what it ended up at. Two different things, um, and um, thankfully we we didn't have to sort of leverage right up. Um, so bought it sort of as I think, yeah, just before we exchanged, the retailer moved in. It was B and M stores. Um, took them on obviously it was a rent free period um, and then as soon as we completed I started with the, the the planning now yes it was a big leap but you know the the upper floor was 35,000 foot and my backstop was I'm just going to convert that I'll have to put you know create some holes in it yep. but to I'm get just some light in, yep. to get the light in but I'm just going to convert that and you know that it will works. still work yep. because you know, I'd paid 4.2 for, you know, a building with a, a retailer and it paying 285, a, a good retailer that's worth yep. half a billion pounds with a 10 year lease with no breaks. So, you know, you, you could... What did that value up at? Well, <laughs> so... It depends I, which agent you talk to. It, well, which surveyor <laughs> you talk to. So, yeah. so one came out, uh, I think initially that the whole building, they just valued it for what we were paying for it, yep. as often happens. They do, yeah. Um, but then, interestingly, I, I did raise um, when after we'd started the planning process. I raised a commercial loan just um, on the basis of the uh, rent from the ground floor, yep. and I think they valued it at four million. That 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 um, just that area, you know, they'd. She did exclude the uppers, and she said, "I think this investment here is worth four million. So. You know, I was interesting yield point. Yeah, yeah. She, that's what she seemed to think. You know, whatever she saw, what we bought it for, and then knocked a bit off, didn't she? Yeah. Um, so, because <laughs> so, they don't, it's, it is hard, isn't it, to work out what the hell are the uppers worth? Are yes. they five a foot, or what? You know, is there a market for it? Yeah. The market changed that much. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, and, and what is the liability exactly? So, um, so sort of refinanced onto yeah. that. And then I put the ground floor on the market. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I got a few agents out. They, they were like, uh, one of them said to me, oh, no, you're going to have to sell the whole freehold. And of course, I was like, uh, sell the freehold and then do a major development above. Hmm, yeah. uh, maybe I won't do that. <laughs> um, so found a couple that were, were, were saying. A bit more well, amenable. Yeah. I think we could, I think we could get, um, you know, some um, purchases to, to buy a long lease, 1,000 years, yep. 999 years. So I went down that road. Obviously, that does knock a, a little bit off the value. Um, 
and I think they probably said 3.8 million and in the end I think we got 3.66 for the ground floor. Um, So the uppers had really therefore cost me, I don't know, half a million, 600, something like that. Um, So to me, even if I just converted the first floor, you know, it's happy days because I paid the right money for the first floor. Um, So carried on from there, um, applied for the planning consent, took about 18 months. So I had no idea what, well, I'd had a pre-app and they'd said to me, yes, 75, 80 units, yes, you can have this many floors. But that's just an officer's opinion. It's not binding. Once the consultees get involved and it makes its way through the planning system, any number of things can come out of the woodwork. So um, I I went straight in and and said I want 125 units um, because you you should always ask for more. more. Absolutely. And so as predicted, you know, in the early meetings, they took a floor off immediately. It's just pretty standard. Yes. Um, and they were quite concerned about the views to the cathedral. Yeah. Um, there is a document in Peterborough which shows some key cathedral views. There was a fleeting view on a corner. If you walk round, you've got it for just the tops of it for one or two seconds. But the conservation officer said, well, you know, I want that bit pulling back and we kept pushing it forward and bringing it back and that that went on a while. Um, But in the end, um, they agreed to let us put um, um, three extra floors on one side and the other side I couldn't put three extra on because it was the original building and it wasn't so strong. Uh, Yeah, because the other one was concrete structure, wasn't it? it's it's a steel frame right. encased in concrete. Yeah, okay. the, the, the concrete floors with a big steel frame, but um, the sections, the steel sections on the um, older part are smaller. Yep. Um, and what we managed to do was get the building regs drawings from when it was built by Marks and Spencers um, in the 50s. Uh, it was in the library. Um, and those drawings... Um, showed that they had actually designed it to put one floor of commercial on top. So I already knew this was in the offing. You know, we went you on the roof. You could see it on the roof, yeah. You, on the roof, you could see the steels coming through. Yeah. Um, but of course, nothing's certain. And, and a critical part of this, part of the jigsaw is digging down and having a look at Confirming. the... Ha, yeah, having, having a look at the piles and the pile caps and making sure uh, they're big enough and, and that went on probably six months. Uh, the builder I was using was quite slow. But the key with this and the, the, the big challenge, and of course it's chicken and egg, we'd got to get that retailer in there because it made it work. Yeah. But I couldn't go into their space and I couldn't dig down. So what I was left with were, were all the sort of entrances and the areas around and the engineer agreed that he would allow us to dig into eight piles around the building because he wanted to confirm that they were actually the same as the drawings and the sections were the same as the drawings. I mean, we had to go above and round and about and and actually pull sections of steel out and send them to a laboratory. And it wasn't actually the same as what had had been drawn uh, in the building regs drawings because as often happens during a... um, a build, you know, they they um, they get involved and they they, they find ways of um, 
Saving money. Yeah, saving money, exactly. Um, so as, as is inevitable, you, you know, you'd be mad not to. Um, but of course, engineer quite rightly says, well, this very often happens, so I, I need to... Um, but, but in the end... Physically check that... Well, there were a few moments. I mean, there, were, we, we were, there, was, there was a scanner going down to check the size yeah. of the pile, and it showed the size of the pile. I think, from memory, it was something like it was... Um, it was something like half the size that it, we expected it to be. Okay. And, and that went on about three days. You know, the builder rang up and he goes, I don't think we're going to be able to put anything on top. And that went on about three days. And then eventually they realised there was a crack in it. And it, it hadn't got the other. And yeah, so it, it was all Living okay. on the edge. It, it was a bit like that. Um, so during, during this, obviously, we're, we're going through the planning process, yeah. getting all the consultees involved. Um, and in the end, they, they agreed to let us put the three on one side and obviously only two on the other. If if the retailer hadn't been on the ground floor, I could have put an extra floor on, on that section as well. Interesting. Yeah. But the retailer was critical because if they hadn't been on the scene, yeah. this deal might have never happened. No. Or you might have been waiting a lot longer. No, because what would they have sold the building at? Yeah. You know, because the value is all in the lease, right? Absolutely, and and they were happy. The vendor was happy because they were getting their four point five yeah. minus the year rent free. Um, but if the retailer wasn't that, that made the uppers almost free. Yeah. If the retailer hadn't been there, would they have sold me the building for free? Um, no. no. Um, so, yeah, of course, it would have been great to buy it at two million, put the retailer in, and, and then convert it all. It would have been even better, but. You know, the, these are not widgets. They, yeah. These things are all different shape sizes, well, and you've got to find a way around it. I want to just ask you <laughs> a, a slightly different question because for some investors, they spend their lives looking for the perfect project. Yeah. Right. And that sounds like a great project. We'll yeah. go into more details of yeah. some of the challenges. But yeah. how many other deals were you also looking at in the two years before that? Just to remind people it, that this isn't a one trick I, I, pony. I would have thought I've probably looked at least 20 you know and I've, I've probably viewed at least 10 or 15 um, in a 6 to 12 month period yeah. before so there's been a whole stack which I've rejected don't work haven't even gone and viewed uh, and that's just the nature of yeah. this beast yeah it's just to remind people there is that yeah background work you've got to do yeah okay so Engineers threw up a few challenges, yeah. but managed to overcome them. Yeah. What about the actual build? Because designing is one thing. Yeah. So um, the yeah we I I I started with a, a build the projects that I mentioned previously. You're doing it here. Yeah. You're managing. I well the 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 original twenty three and the you know the co living yeah. projects that I'd done before. I'd done those pretty much with one builder. Um, and you know it was fine. It, we sort of had challenges. You know, it wasn't. Um, you know, variations had come, and the way they'd be dealt with would be a big yes. argument every month. And then he'd, he'd want you know, sort of shake hands and sort of you know all that sort of stuff. It was, uh, and we were doing them cheap, yes. really cheap, sixty pound a foot. You know, back then it yeah. was great. And I originally got him involved in this project, and it became clear that. It was just way too big, and you, it's horses for courses. You've got to get the right yep. builder in for the right project. So he he did some of the digging for the the foundations and helped with some of the design. After that, um, 
we decided we need to get um, some in that have, 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 have demonstrated that they've done projects of this size before. So I, I started driving around um, and I, fi- I found a, an Irish company that were, uh, well, they were actually English, but Irish guys, and they'd, they'd done a whole series of, around London. They'd been digging out basements, they'd been putting loads of floors on the top, converting them into apartments. I thought they've got all the, the experience yeah. to do. They started talking to them and they came in and um, gave us a price. Um, my project manager had some guys that he dealt with before. They came and gave us a price. And then there were another lot doing some conversion with extension locally. So we got three prices from these, these other guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and there were more than the guys that I'd used previously, but I just I thought it's actually going to happen and it's not going to take four years to do it, you know? Um, you know, we, 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 we'd got to get a bank involved, a, a development funder, and they already weren't happy with the original builder yeah. for, for, for lots of reasons. Um, so I thought, I've, you know, I've got to deal with this. So a bona fide main contractor and you yeah, have experience of this type of project. Exactly. So, so we, got, um, we got the Irish crew in. Um, the, the, the bank were, they were, they, they, they were happy. They, they sort of went along with it. Um, we started, I think it would have been around January 20. Um, Perfect timing. Yeah. Uh, I sent them something like 300 grand for prelims within, I don't know, a month. Because obviously that was the project manager was like that you know that that's the um, that's the valuation and uh, and we need to sort of pay and then I think it was probably the February they just went bust went into admin so they got a whole stack of men on site they were doing demolition um, they'd got the asbestos guys in there they got the um, you know, all the demolition crew, there was lots going on on site. And he, he rang me on a Friday afternoon and he just said, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, we're going into admin. Um, you need to go and secure the site. There's going to be some real angry subcontractors. Um, and I'm thinking, so... This is Friday afternoon. This is Friday afternoon, 80,000 foot in the middle of town, loads of men on site, health and safety. You, you can imagine. I mean, you know, I've, I've never run sites like that before. Um, so I run my project manager, he's he's in the pub already, because <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know, 5.30 or whatever, and he's already had a couple of pints, you know, a couple of pints down, and then, oh, well, you know, and he's giving it all this, and I'm like, Gary, this this is not good, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> and I said, do you know, we could go to the others, but, um, you know, we're already some money down, and, um, they were more money, the, the other contractors. And do you know what? I don't know if I trust any. And he just said, Mark, Mark, we'll just build it ourselves. You know, and I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is the thing to do. I said, yeah, that's that's where I was getting to. Um, so um, it's what I did. I, is that what you ended up doing? I put the phone down. <laughs> I went and saw my wife, got home, told her everything. And she's like, oh my God, you know. I mean, she, she realized, because she gets involved in this stuff. And she realised what, what a catastrophe this was. Um, so, so I said, "Well, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to create a building company." Um, you know, he, Gary knows how to do it because he, you know, he, he's he's probably sixty, you know, and he's had forty years um, running sites, quantity surveyor, but now project manager. Uh, so, 
So I said, I'm going to have to go over there and I'm going to have to go and find the lads that were running the site. So, um, so my wife just said, yeah, I'll come with you. We'll, we'll drive over there in the morning. So we went to Harrow because these guys are sort of around London. So we, we went to the first one's house and his wife was there. Um, I had his address from somewhere. I think I did a bit. I, I was up, I stayed at 192, you know, company's house, whole lot. Got his home address, went round. She, she was a bit shocked to see us, I think. And she said, oh, he's out. I said, can you, you know, give him this, you know, just said, you know, got a sort of business opportunity for you. And um, he rang me that afternoon. He'd, he'd been down the pub as well. Um, <laughs> and I just said, look, you know, I've got, I've got two sites, you, you know what the deal is. He, he was the contracts manager, in fact he was a director for a bit. So I've got these two sites, um, I need to build them, do you want a job? Um, and, uh, and he said, right, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll ring some of the lads, because this isn't just about me. Because I've got a great QS, that he, he was sort of the more senior QS out of the two. Um, and then there's a site manager, you know, and all this. So, so anyway, within, I don't know, a week, he'd got them all together. And, um, and he just said, right, this is, this is what we want. You know, these, these are the terms, all the rest of it. So we, we had a bit of a negotiation. So, so I took him, I took the quantity surveyor, and I took the uh, deputy site manager. And then around the same time, and he, he was right, um, my project manager was like, do you want this all then? You know, and I was like, no, no, we don't, do we? Because uh, we, we, we need, because I've got a great site manager, you know, he's, um, he's done loads of stuff for me over the years and he's, he's done stuff like this. Let's get him in there and, and, and then, you know, we'll have a bit of control with that, do you know what I mean? And, and then we'll bring some of our, you know, other people, yep. you know. So that's what we did and I just built this building company, got the accountant on the phone, I'm like, what do I need to do? Right, set, set a company up, CIS straight away, you know, you've got all, all this, you know, insurance, nonsense. loads of nonsense. Uh, and I was a bit worried, you know, that I wouldn't get um, contractors or risks insurance. And then, of course, the biggest thing was the bank. Uh, so I rang them, I told them what had happened. I said, don't send them any more money. Don't worry, they, you know, all the money's locked down. They're not getting any more money. Um, and uh, I said, I, I think we want to build it ourselves. And uh, well, you know, sort of, you know, that is quite a big step. You know, I said, well, look, I've got a great team. I've got the guys that were, you know, on it before. Is this within a week, two weeks? Yeah, oh, within a week, because yeah. I just knew I'd got to, got to get this thing fixed. Um, obviously, my project manager's there, um, and you know, we've got um, great QS site manager. So she's pretty cool. She's Irish. Um, so she said, right, there's a guy in the bank that, that knows a lot about construction. Uh, let me talk to him. But what I think we might do is get him over to interview your team. So, um, so that's what happened. He came over, he sat down, all the four or five of them sort of sat there and he just grilled them all. And then he, he sort of came out and goes, yeah, they'll know how to do this. And um, he went back to her and you know, <laughs> the bank sort of imposed a few other terms, but they were they were cool, honestly, and they could easily have said no. You know, they obviously I'd already drawn money. You know, I'd, I'd paid them a load of fees, and that could have turned into an yeah. absolute mess. But they weren't with it, and um, yeah, so so we 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 just start started building, um, and I was on site probably three days a week. Um, you know. Just, just working my way around all the lads. We, I think we had seven, about 70 men on site. All the subbies, the first 
probably three or four months were just getting all these subbies into contract. Um, most of them I managed to just sort of take on, you know, but lots of the prices, I mean, they could never have built yep. it for what they quoted. Um, they were, it was just for cash flow. So, because they were obviously been dying for a while, which I didn't know. The balance sheet was just a snapshot, you know, if it was true. Um, but, you know, I, I'd, I'd got to get hold of all these con, uh, these subcontracts. I mean, the asbestos guy came on site and, you know, hit the roof and we're, we're owed 50 grand. I said, well, we've paid them. If you don't pay us, then we're going to HSE, all the rest of it. So we're like, well, great, go to HSE because, you know, we, we've paid and you guys, um, you guys haven't had your money because it's stuck in the administration yeah. with the, the old builder. Uh, so there's a bit of that. Uh, anyway, calmed it all down. Um, and then we managed to start getting other local subcontractors, which I sort of knew, found round and about. And then obviously the other site manager that we brought in, he he brought a few because he was he's sort of East Midlands as well, rather than having all sort of London subbies, which cost a load of money. So we managed to use a lot more local ones. Um, and then um, we did two sites with, with, with the same team. Um, so yeah, I was just running this building company for probably two years, something like that, yeah. So bit of seat of your yeah. pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, is that main contract still going? That business? My business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's doing stuff for us, yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't do anything for anyone else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been doing our, our sites, yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's really interesting that conversation. I yeah. didn't know about all that. I knew yeah. the main contract go and bust, right? Yeah. And I and, and I I myself I'm like, do you know, one day we're going to grow up and take on a main contract. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you end, I end up finding that we end up doing a lot of the PM stuff ourselves. Yeah. We do managing the subcontracts. You, you, you do. So if you're doing that and you you've got a, a QS to do it or you can do that, um, then you're pretty much doing. A, you know, your cash flow's better, you control it better. If the QS is there, you know, he he's not... The QS I had, he used to go around with a um, long-angled uh, telescopic lens on his um, camera, take pictures of everything. So when the valuation came in, there's no argument. Yeah. You know, they, they all, about half of them, they'd be over-claiming. And he'd just go, well, there are the pictures, this is what's done. He, In the end, most of them would just go, can you do the valuation for me? Do you know what I mean? Because he'd, he'd have it all. Um, most of the lies stop, you know, main contract, I've had main contractors lying to me yeah. for years about all sorts of stuff uh, and creating stress. Because they're, they're that middle party, they, uh, everything then yeah. becomes more opaque. Yeah. What about the CDM stuff? That's critical. So, um, and, and that that's actually what created a lot of the worry and the, yeah. the, the, the stress for me. But I'll tell you the sort of ways I got through it. So, um, obviously through all this, I've got a bank loan uh, which got up to 60 grand a month, you know, in, in just interest, yeah? So um, I'd got to make this work, do you yeah. know what I mean? Because what do you do? Just say to the bank, oh, no, we're not it. doing it. Well, then the, the, the fees are going to be absolutely yes. massive. So there was no choice. And by the way, March came along and then yeah. lockdown happened, So which was good and bad. So all this happened just before? Just before. So so February, in a month, we set, set, yeah, we set up in February, and then in March, lockdown happened. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, I'm glad I started before because I don't know if the bank would have agreed to, to carry on as they did, but they, they were cool. So, um, yeah, the CDM. Um, so, Deputy Site Manager, most of the day was him doing um, inductions, rams, 
checking, you know, all their their, their paperwork, yep. the subbies insurance, all that sort of stuff. Um, I've got a um, health and safety consultant every two weeks on site for report. So a report comes to me and to the site manager. Every single thing on there that's amber or red, I'd want it all. Because I, I, I was in the office three days a week, I'd have my list and I just I just badger them all to. And that that was like top of the list. I want everything on here that is not green to be green. And he knew that's what he had to do. And he, he was good anyway. Um, obviously the site manager, sorry, the project manager, he, he'd submit the F10, you know, insurance. Um, insurance was good. I had three claims um, during the site, all of them nonsense. Um, and the, the insurer was good. They got rid of all of them. Uh, because we'd done, you know, all the RAMs and, you know, made sure their inductions were done properly and it was all documented. Um, but yeah, it's um, when you're new to something like that, it, it's quite daunting. But having that health and safety guy there, that's great because he, he'd often come on site and I'd just walk around with him and say, look, where are all the risks? What, what are the problems? He goes, that, that, I'm going to, you know, and then I'd just badger them to, you know, maybe, maybe there isn't the, the right sort of fencing or, you know, maybe they haven't put a balustrade there or, all these floors. you know, yeah, yeah or, or, you know, ladders, ladders are almost banned. They should be on a tower, you know, all, all this stuff. Um, but if you've got good, a good site manager, he's doing 70, 80% yeah. of that anyway, you know, because he's just schooled into it. He's got, a t they've all got tickets. You have to make sure that they've got the right ticket. The guy driving the digger, he's got to have the right ticket. Um, so, so you've almost got somebody full time, almost yeah, dealing with all this to make sure that it's all compliant. The, well, the site manager is dealing with it every day, yeah. and then the health and safety guy every two weeks does the the audit, and that's good as well because we we um, we had an outbreak of COVID on site because the site manager was so tall he caught it, didn't even know he had it, and he just spread it around. We call him High Tower, and he just distributed it all around the. <laughs> so they, they so of course they all get it. Um, then they, I don't know. Is they, this they March went into, or is this later on? This is a bit later. And the, the um, they go into some Public Health England system or whatever, don't they? So then, do you remember Track got and a Trace? super site. Yeah, Track and Trace start ringing them. And then, and of course, these are all, I don't know, screeders yeah. or, you know, lads that are putting, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're putting the timber down, the timber floors or whatever. They ring them and they go, oh, where, where, where have you caught it? Oh, on the progressive property site in the middle of Peterborough. It's uh, 54 Bridge Street, you know, straight away. So, of course, this track and trace, whatever, get, I think they've got 20 of them. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. So then Public Health England, um, health HSE and um, uh, Environmental Health from the local council, like all of them, um, so, so they, they get onto us and they're like, right, we, we, we need to have a, um, a Zoom call. You know, with with all three, so all three of them are on, and and they're like, "What's going on?" What you know, and all the rest of it. So we start explaining it all, and they're like, "Right, okay, and what measures are you putting in place?" And we told them everything, and they said, "Well, we want HSE to do an audit." So fine. So he he comes around to have a look. Actually, it was pretty cool. He he just looked at how we were separating and and whatever. But the 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 really good thing for those guys when when HSE come round. If you if you just show them the health and safety audits, it's it's, it's brilliant because it's it it's shows a bit, you are yeah it, it it's a bit like breadcrumbs. Obviously, they can sort of see where all the problems are, but you know, seeing stuff that was say amber and it's going green and 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 having it going back a number of weeks that really helps. Yeah, yeah. So um, 
Yeah, and and then we'd have a lot of audits. You know, the insurer came around and did an audit as well. Um, you know, they they'd find. You know, there'd be there'd be you know gas canister and there'd be you know heat torch on felt and there'd be heating and and that wouldn't be put away properly. Just loads of stuff like that, which is. Um, it's it's a good thing. You just you, so yeah. I wanted to ask you a question about yeah. some of the theory people talk about. They say, oh, you know, you do a house, um, or you do two houses, or you do yeah. a block of flats. Yeah. You know, it's all about the numbers adding up. But actually, yeah. the, the the amount of effort you put in is almost yeah. the same. But on this, clearly, there's some new challenges that you yeah. haven't had. Now, obviously, yeah. COVID was something new. Yeah. But just the management of the site. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. Um, how much more intense is it? Well, it was a lot more intense, and I was obviously there two or three days a week. Um, I reckon all in all, uh, you know, I, I think we did it for about nine and a half million. Um, the original Irish crew said they could do it for the same. Well, they couldn't. And of course, once I took their team on, it became very obvious they would never have done it yep. for that, you know, because they got all their other costs, their head office costs and everything else. The other guys were all at 11, 11 and a half million. So that, it, it was going to be a two million jump before variations. Yes. We got it done at nine and a half and obviously no variations. What, you can do whatever you want on variations, yes. And all of the, um, you know, I, I, I got extras done, yes. you know, within that. I mean, we, we, we let a unit on the ground floor, we fitted, you know, we did a load of extra work within that that those guys would have charged extra on. So by doing it myself, I think we saved at least two million pounds. Yep. So that was worth that Which and it's about 20 20% yeah probably guess, yeah. yeah yeah a little bit more yeah that's interesting yeah it might have been more because I don't know what the variations would have been um then in addition um yeah all the control and yeah so yes uh, more it, it, there's an added dimension because we built it whereas if it had just been a main contractor it, it wouldn't have been you know the, the same but yeah, obviously a lot more work anyway. This building was particularly challenging because we'd got to remove, we removed the whole roof, the whole slab on the top. We took the whole lot out. So we had little munchers on there, they were chopping it up and they removed it and then we exposed all the steel work. And then we started taking some of the steel away so that we could create light into the middle of the building. Yep. And then we and then we built a steel frame around it. it. Yep. Yeah, so, you know, that that's, a lot more involved than just doing a conversion. Um, you know, it's it's um, you're 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 adding steel on, and, and a large part of the building is new build, uh, but on an existing frame. Yep. Um, so you know, th th there's a lot more work there. Uh, yeah. So looking forward. Yeah. Do you envision? Do you still in the back of your mind? I'm a bit like this. I think yeah. you know, one day I'll grow up and have a main contractor. I'm not saying you're growing up, but yeah. you know that there'll be a project where I have to use a main contractor. Or are yeah, you know, yeah. sort of comfortable that actually, do you know what? We could probably tackle the next few projects. It depends what it is. Um, it de depends what it is and the size. And you know, if I was doing that again, I'd probably do the same thing again, yes. because two million pounds is worth my time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I haven't got the problems of, you know, the, the, the first contractor I used that, that didn't do the, I didn't sign up with, they went bust as well. Oh, yeah, later. And so many of them, they last a period, five, 10 years, and then they go bust. Yeah, it's okay? like playing Russian roulette. It yeah. is like playing Russian roulette. And people can sort of go, oh, well, that's why you should use a main contractor with a big balance sheet. Fine. 
you use the big contract around here that does all the council products projects, they would have been 20 million. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not an option to do that, really. Um, you know, you know, and using a sort of small one where you're on the edge, you save two million. Well, that's worth my time. Yeah. Um, and that's that's worth. And the fact you get the the all of the. Um, you know, I was on site every day and we managed to make a load of stuff better in that building because it was our project. Whereas if, I'd, if my wife had made all these changes with a main contractor, they'd have just taken us to town. I mean, the big one around here, they've got two QSs on site, finding every nut and bolt and bit that you change to, 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 to increase. This is how HS2 gets so expensive. Well, indeed. Know? Yeah. I could, and because there's no accountability at all. No, but, no. So just for a second, did you say that your wife's making lots of changes? Yeah, because she's doing interiors and 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 you know lots of the lots of lights not right, the windows maybe not yep. in the right okay. place. The first architect we had just just drew the whole thing wrong, you know, and and you know didn't set it to grid. The steel was in the wrong places, you know. All I mean, major problems. In the end, they had to give us sort of half the feedback. Um, and we, we ended up getting another architect in who could do that project. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we, we were able just to, if that had been a main contract, they'd go, oh, that's a change, that's a change, yeah. that's a change. We'd have been absolutely it comes our margin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, 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 um, I, I, I'd, something like that I would do ourselves again. Smaller stuff, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm doing a few apartments at the moment, you know, converting other buildings, things like that. I just get our trades to do it, you know, and I've got one that he, he can pretty much manage that and yeah. deal with building regs and everything. Um, you know, maybe a, yeah, maybe a, I don't know, a small pub or whatever. Maybe I would use, a, there's a, a couple of little main contractors here. Uh, but of course, you know, go bus, walk off site halfway through. I'm going to have to take the subbies on and fix it anyway. Uh, so I feel like I have to have the knowledge to be able to pick the pieces up when they clear off. Yep. Um, so, you know, why would, and, and, and actually, you know, during the project, you know, the dry liners went bust on the big one, you know, um, but we weren't ahead. With the main contractor, often, I'd always be, yeah, because you can't bloody work out how much work's being yes. done. And, and then there's a big argument and, and it can get very difficult. No, that yeah, was the right you, on top of it with the QS. Yeah, if you've got a really good QS, um, you know, with the, with the dry liners, we paid for what we had. And their administrators got onto us and uh, started saying, "You should pay this, that, and the other," because he got some valuation together. My QS just put together, you know, all the, the evidence report, said yeah. you owe us fifty grand, and that was it. They were gone, you know. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this, this, there's so much you've obviously learned on this project, but I just want to ask the background before you started with yeah. the first buy to let. Yeah. Where does the construction knowledge come from? Is it just from working your way yeah, through this? Yeah, working my way some, through it. Yeah, no, I've never. Your background? Uh, so I studied economics um, and I went on a sort of management training scheme uh, for a big fresh meat group, yeah. sales, marketing, production, all that sort of stuff. Good growth. And then, you. yeah, whilst I was there, I started buying little single lets. And then uh, we, Rob and I worked for a guy for I don't know, a year, 18 months, at just selling some new build properties. But that was it. And I was 25, 26, and we started this. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting. Yeah. So all that <laughs> education the project brought you. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you probably got um, 
a lot less to worry about yeah. in terms of going on to the next one. So if, yeah. it, if we do come to a period where there's lots of opportunities, yeah. um, it might be that some projects need main contractors, yeah. right, if you're going to do volume. Well, I used but, to think the massive ones did. Yes. You know, I think, oh, you know, no. I you spoke to, to a that. couple of people, you know, one guy took around and he'd done a lot of stuff around it. Oh, do you need a big main contractor for this building? And and I sort of thought to myself, oh, maybe it's true. But since then, I thought, why? You know, how, how does it's that... It's almost the other way around. It's the other way around. How does yeah. that benefit me? You know, I can get all the subbies in and, and yeah, as long as you've got the knowledge in the team, and that's the key, you've got to hire the right people. Yeah who know how to run a project like that and incentivize them. So lump of money at the end when they deliver, what they you know, yeah, do. and, you know, price and time. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. So moving forward, or, or sorry, just finishing that project off, yeah. we ended up with 99 units. Yeah. Which you've held on to all of them. Yeah. Yeah. We kept the whole building, the whole freehold. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, obviously I've issued a thousand year lease on the supermarket, but the rest of it we've retained, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. And those are all flats, right? Yeah. And is the intention to continue with that, just to hold them? Oh yeah, because, uh, well, we're locked in on that. So um, what was quite nice was, um, the, yeah, you probably remember 2016, George Osborne changed, um, introduced section 24 so that you couldn't offset all the mortgage interest against the rent on a yeah. residential property if you own it in your own name. So the idea was, let's get rid of these mom and pop small accidental landlords who've got one and two still working on that <laughs> professionalize the industry yeah. you know and um corral everybody into limited companies and and try and get institutional investment into doing blocks and big housing yep. estates because that's what they do in europe and the us and therefore you know the maintenance and the compliance is much better you know and you can see what a mess they're making of everything with that but i'd not realized alongside that they created a little scheme um, which was um, to, um, to, to, to basically get a bond issued onto the London Stock Exchange per project um, to, to basically long-term finance uh, blocks of apartments. Yep. Um, so um, through, through uh, another contact, we found this scheme um, and um, it was, I think it was a minimum, you've got to have a minimum um, loan of 10 million. Um, and or minimum building value of 10 million and um, you know they'd all it got to be brand new you'd created new units they'd been let and you're going to hold them long term put them into the rental market so it was sort of perfect tick, 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 yep. yeah so I mean the the, the the deal was was great obviously bond deals were, were very different because I got this completed I think it was um, yeah it would have been Sort of, I think it was the end of 21. 21. Yeah, towards the end of 21. So bond went out onto the stock exchange, and originally it was it was better than this. But basically, we're paying 2.79 percent fixed for 11 years interest wow. only, um, and and it's um, you know it was funded by, I think you know some sovereign wealth funds you know bought this debt. But the point is, it's it's underwritten by the the uh, Ministry of Housing, i.e. the, you know, levelling up in communities. Right. So it's got a That's central government, 100% yes. guarantee. But, um, you know, I, I mean, the legal started about a year before. And, and it, it was, uh, the, I think the legal bill was 140 grand. Um, 
And I think in the end there were three or four solicitors sets, four, three or four law firms involved, and um, and every quarter, um, so they, they they have their own management account um, template. Our ladies upstairs input all the information into that, and then every quarter they scrutinise that. They practically have a a direct line into those guys, and a load of questions yeah. come back. The money, the rent goes into this account. Seven accounts we have. It goes in and then it works its way down this waterfall and then drops out the bottom every quarter once they're sure that there's no capital um, capex to spend on the building, once they're sure that obviously once the loan's been paid, all this stuff. So um, it's great and it, it really works, uh, but their DD is on a completely different level, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, that, that, that's how it works, isn't it? You know, yeah, but yeah. it meant you could keep it. It but it was always your intention, I assume. It was always to keep them. And, you know, I, I want... Well, I mean, I did, because it was a, a good-sized project and I wanted to explore the market, I, I did talk to people about selling and all the rest of it, but it was never, you know, never worth it or never got to a place where it would have made it worth yeah. it. So, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think at the time the, the rent was, was 1.35 million and now we've worked the rent up to about 1.55, something like that. Um and yeah, I think it was valued for 21.4 million on the last valuation. It's a yearly valuation as well. Sverre comes around and, and, and does a full dig into it and puts a big, I think we get a 10 grand bill every year and it goes back to the bank and they've obviously got There's covenants. covenants and, there. Yeah, there are. I, I think we can go up to 75% loan to value, oh, whereas okay. in the, originally I think we were at 65. So it can go to 75 and the, the rent stress can go up a bit as well. I mean, we're way... The, the rent, there's yeah, loads I mean, more. Rents are obviously yeah. in a different yeah. trajectory than yeah. valuations. Yeah. But that, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So there's covenant. Yeah. As with everybody, if it drops, yeah. if the value drops, then it might affect that covenant. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. there's there's some margin there, yeah. some room. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So for those that are having a listen to this and thinking, yeah. wow, that, that's an inspiring project, but I'm not quite sure if I'm quite ready for one of those yet. Yeah. What would you say to um, people that are getting started, not getting yeah. started, sorry, but that they've maybe been doing some residential for a while, yeah. they're looking at those commercial conversions or maybe more of the retail and actually yeah. commercial commercial, not having had a big construction background yeah. or investing background, what sort of thing would you suggest to them now, the current market, and what they could be taking on board as a kind of some tips to actually go and implement right now yeah well yeah 124,000 square foot is you know not somewhere you would start, start. you would you know i started with little single lets yeah. buying them refurbishing them you know then i moved on to hmos you know and i i did you know four five hundred of them for ourselves for clients um but yeah, i could have obviously gone into commercial conversions far earlier. Um, you know, once I'd done a few single lets and yeah, maybe do a few HMOs, then just start with a smallish building. You know, a pub is three or 4,000 square foot usually. Start and convert something like that or, you know, convert a small office. Um, you know, edge your way into it and then move into maybe a 10,000 square foot building yep. or a 30 or, it is a bit difficult because they're not widgets and you know they're, they're different yeah, sizes different. aren't they but um, just graduate your way into it I don't subscribe to this view of oh it doesn't matter how big it is you can just dive straight in from day one on a massive project because 
you know, you'll make a lot of mistakes and they'll be magnified on a big site. Whereas, you know, you've got a small site, you make all the mistakes, you know, on a small site. And then when you get to the big one, hopefully you make a lot less. Is there any particular site, I'm going to ask this politely, was yeah. there any particular site that taught you the most? Was there any site? Oh, the that... big one. I mean, that that's taught me more than, you know, because of course I had to build it as yeah. well. Um, no, I mean, stuff I learned on that is just layouts. I mean, you know, I was involved daily. I mean, I probably put in eight non-material amendments on that uh, because I moved walls around. Yes. Continu- I mean, we just kept going back to the planning department and saying, we're going to move this wall a bit because it gives us some more space in this apartment, makes it better, more light, whatever. And it just got to the stage, it just kept going to the same lady and she's like, yeah, yeah, that, that's fine, that's fine. We're not window lights there, back in, you know, and she, she just sort of kept approving it, um, which was really useful, actually. Um, I mean, I had to take all the conditions off, you know, as the, the builder, you know, yeah. and that, that was probably eight or nine months with them all working at home in COVID. So, yeah, a big one for, you know, I learned massive amounts about layouts, construction, um, yeah, j- j- just reducing costs. You know? That yeah. sounds like you learn yeah. a lot about Yeah, that. yeah. Whereas, yeah, when you're doing, when you're starting out, sometimes, I mean, like when I did my first house, yeah. I mean, I'm there doing it all myself. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but over time, it's more about managing people and process yeah, than it necessarily. Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, brilliant. All right, so moving forward. Yeah. Um, what's the next sort of... Well, we, we bought a, a Pizza Express a few mm-hmm. months ago. Uh, I think it's under-rented. Um, it was let in 2006, seven yep. for 100 grand a year. Um, during COVID, they went through a CVA and they're now paying 50. Wow. Um, you know, if you inflation market, adjusted yeah. that rent from 100 grand, it would now be 140. Clearly, the market's dropped, but it's not 50 grand. Um, you know, and there's been some other lettings around there, which um, have been more. What's the timing on it then? So when's the renewal? Now. Yeah. So, um, well, they come to their end of the CVA now. Yeah. Do you, and there is an element of risk, which is they may just say, well, actually, we're done. Yeah. But. Yeah. They're a basket case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. No, 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 you're right. That, that's, that's a possibility. Um, so, you know, it, um, yeah, I, and then there's uppers, which are, ah, okay. yeah, which That's are, the play. are not, yeah, cause I'm thinking yeah. just commercial market. Yeah. yeah. So there's so, another play there. Yeah, there are, but it's gone in our pension, so I can't really put, ah. I can put residential, but, but what I'd have to do is sell the building, sell the freehold to a limited company and then just lease back the commercial bit into the pension. It's yeah. messy and there's a load of stamp duty. SAS yeah, SAS. So, I, I might just do serviced offices up there. Uh, yeah, um, it is listed, so it's a little bit more difficult. Um, but no, I, th- I think there's just some meat there. You know, and per foot, I think we paid seven fifty for that building, and maybe it's four four and a half thousand foot. Yeah. Which what does that bring you back to? Um, gets you to one hundred sixty five pound a foot, four thousand square foot portal frame on the industrial in the industrial area of Peterborough, which is, you know, it's an industrial estate, yep. yeah? Okay, new-ish, £170 a foot. So the, the stuff on the industrial estate per foot, but you know, basically a big hole is more than central Peterborough. Yes. I, it's not right. 
Um, so for me, that's the stuff I like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But you might do service offices. That's interesting. Well, it, there's a lot gone in around yeah. the centre now, and they seem to be working. I'm not that keen on the idea of the management of it, which is to put me off a little bit. But um, if I can get around that, then yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll come back and do another podcast about that. <laughs> that's my mark. Maybe. <laughs> All right, it's been absolutely Oh, that's what pleasure. you do, is it? That's yeah. what I do. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I do. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, thank you so much, Mark. It's been an absolute pleasure.